church. How are you all today? Awesome, awesome. And happy Mother's Day to all the mothers here today. I got to say, some of you ladies are looking beautiful today. So um, if your husband hasn't told you that yet, then I'm going to tell you that. And dude, if you're sitting beside her and you haven't said it, now is your chance. So kiss on the cheek, you're gorgeous, babe, and we'll keep rolling. So um uh, but we do want to celebrate our moms that are here today, and, um, and all of you, if this is your first time here today, we want to say welcome to you, whether you're in this room or next door in the video theater, if you're online or Facebook Live, wherever you're joining us from today, welcome. We are so glad you're here and that you're spending some time with us today. Um, I want to uh, give a special shout out to my um, favorite mom, uh, my mother-in-law, um, Sheila Edmondson. Um, she is such a gift in my life, and uh, God could not have given me a better second mom, and so I just want her to know. She was here in first service, but I just, I just love to brag on her. She is such a gift to our family, and I love her dearly. Um, and, uh, and my sweet mom is, is with the Lord, so she's having an amazing Mother's Day today, so um, So just wanted to uh, just recognize our moms and tell you how thankful we are for you and how very much we love you. Well, welcome to the Enough series. Um, I'm thrilled to have the opportunity to speak with you over the next three weeks about this topic of enough. And um, this, this is a ladies series, but guys, hang in there with me because I promise you there are some nuggets of truth in here that you can sink your teeth into uh, just as much as the ladies can. But this, sometimes the word enough can be a word that we wrestle with, especially as women. And so I wanted to begin to address that today. I want to talk about how we interact with the word enough, how we deal with the word enough, how we wrestle with it, how we define it. Um, For a word that seems so small, it can have such power in our lives. And before we get started, I do just want to say that... um, I may seem a little intense this morning, um, and so I hope that you'll bear with me. I'm not upset, uh, but I may not be funny, and I hope that's okay, because this topic is really important, and this week we're going to create some tension. Uh, we've got two more weeks to kind of have some fun, but today is the day that we're laying the foundation of this really important subject. So I'm going to try to smile as much as I can, but stay with me. If there are any ladies in here from my Tuesday ladies small group, um, they can attest to the fact, there we go, woo, there we go. Uh, They can attest to the fact that when we get into the word, we get into the word and uh, we dig deep and we we go at it. So so welcome to Tuesday night ladies Bible study. (laughs) So um, anyway, so I want to start this morning, we're going to lay the foundation in order to understand where we're going. We've got to have a good knowledge of what we're talking about. So we're just going to do some dictionary work this morning, and we're going to start with the definition of the word enough. So the first uh, version that we're going to look at is an exclamation of that word. And this definition says that enough is used to express an impatient desire for the cessation, for the stopping of an undesirable speech or action. So here are our examples, because that's kind of wordy. Enough. I cannot take any more of this noise any longer. I'm sure we've all been in that place. I've had enough of your whining and complaining. Have any of you said that this morning already? Some of you may have already been there. And you probably were saying it to your husband. No, (laughs) kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, And then um, enough already. Stop hitting your sister. I I didn't have a sister um, or a brother, but... um, 
Anyway, some of you may have to deal with that. I know Chris constantly hit his sister as they were growing up. I've heard the the stories about that, so I know this was uh, something that Sheila said often. And the idea is that whatever is going on is getting on our last nerve, and we've just had enough. There's not any more time to deal with it. I'm sick of it. Let it stop now. So that's the first form of enough. Now let's go to the second one. This one is a pronoun, and this means as much or as many as required. So it's adequate. So for example, if you're short on cash, I've got enough. We all like it when a friend says that, right? Um, Because she had enough time, she was able to stop for some coffee. Yes, good, enough time. And then um, there is enough dessert for everyone. How we love to hear that. So, I mean, I, I mean, come on, ladies. Who, if we have enough money, enough coffee, and enough dessert, I mean, that's a good day, right? Like, we can't go wrong with that. So that idea that the need or the amount required has been met. That's our second example. Um, okay, now let's go to the third one. This is our third example of enough. This is an adverb, and it says, occurring in quantity or quality to fully meet the demands, the needs, or the expectations. This is the one we're going to deal with today. This is the one where we, as women especially, we get caught up in this one. This one gets personal. And here are our examples. Usually starts on the outside with us. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not in shape enough. So the quality is not what we expect, and the expectation may be set too high. We're having trouble getting there. Quality and expectation. Watch out for these two words as we think about this definition. Let's go to the second one. Now, this one's going to move a little bit more inward. This one's more personal. I'm not talented enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. So we've started on the outside with our not good enough, and now we're moving to the inside. Now, this can also begin to affect our surroundings. Let's keep going. My house is not decorated well enough. My car is not new enough. And my clothes are not trendy enough. So we can find that this starts outside, it moves inside, it affects our surroundings. And then lastly, It can affect those that we are in relationship with, those that we love, our family and our friends. My kids are not well-behaved enough. My husband doesn't make enough. My parents aren't supportive enough. My friends are not available enough. This last definition is affected by the quality of something and the expectation. What is it? What is that level that we have set in our mind? What is it that we're trying to attain? Or even more so, what is it that the world says we should attain? What is it that the world says is the level of quality that we should be after? And then we have that little three-letter word, not. And we throw that in front of enough and all of a sudden, the perspective of everything begins to change. The word not in front of enough can kill a dream. The word not in front of enough can make our minds obsess. The word not in front of enough can break a heart in two. The word not in front of enough can make us work and strive and search and wander working so hard to get away from the knot and land safely in the place of enough. So as we dig into the series today, my question is, what about you? Are you searching for your enough? 
Are you in the place of striving and working and trying to figure out a plan for how you can meet the quality or the expectation? Do you have a regrets that are piled so high? Do you have a past that you cannot seem to get away from? Do you have lies that tumble around in your head and in your heart? And no matter what you do, you just can't seem to overcome them. Are you searching for your enough? You know, one of the examples that I like to give when we think about enough and how enough can begin to distort the way that we think about our lives is is a hall of mirrors. Have any of you ever been to a hall of mirrors? Yeah, not many. I, I have not. But I know, like, if you go to the county fair or, you know, the circus or whatever, they might have, like, a hall of mirrors set up in, like, a trailer, and you go in, and it's all these corridors and mirrors, and, and it distorts the way that we look. It presents an image of ourselves that is not true. If, if we're tall, we may look short, or if we're skinny, we may look as big as the side of a barn. You know, um, it distorts what we see. And I was thinking probably the closest thing we have to that now is the filter on our cell phones. I know some of y'all put up some crazy looking stuff. So I decided to give it a try myself. This is an app called Blurry Face. Um, the next one, um, nice. Yeah, is that Jay Leno or what is that? And Alien Kim. I think this is, this is the one my kids were like, yeah, that looks just like you, mom. So, um, but we can look at these and we can laugh because... Y'all, be nice. This is not what I look like, okay? Right? Like, this, this is not the true me. Um, of course, now in my mind, I'm hearing, well, some days you actually look like that. But anyway, I'll keep rolling. Um, but, but we know that this isn't real. This is a distorted image. It's not accurate. It's not quality. doesn't meet my expectation as we stay in that definition. But somehow... But somehow we allow images like this to get stuck in our hearts and to get stuck in our minds. And we begin to believe that this is the truth. Women all over the world have a distorted view of who they really are. Because when we look in the mirror, we hear the voice in our head but it does not match up with what God has created us to be and who he says we are. We hear the voice, but it is not, for the most part, it is not the voice of God speaking truth to us. We look in the mirror of value and we see worthless. We look in the mirror of success and we see failure. We look in the mirror of intelligence and we see stupid. We look in the mirror of competence and we see inadequate. We look in the mirror of confidence and we see insecure. But that is not what God says about us. And that's not who we long to be. We long to be cherished and valued. We long to be liked. We want to be wanted, to be included, to be loved. Those are the things that we genuinely want. But so often we listen to the lies. We hear the voice in our head that says, you are not enough. So today we are going to begin the tension. We are going to begin to understand where does that come from? Why do we live in the prison of not enough? Why do we live in the prison of striving and feeling like we have to prove ourselves when sometimes we don't even know who or what we're trying to prove ourselves for? 
We want to knock down the walls that keep us wrapped up in the lies. And instead, we want to chase after the gentle whisper of God. And we want to hear him say over us, you are enough. And the way that he tells us that is that God says to us, you are chosen. You are dearly loved. You are holy. Ladies, he looks at you and he says, you are beautiful. And you are his perfect creation. Our words don't match his words. And rather than choosing to believe what God says, and rather than choosing to put on his identity, put on his truth, and walk in it, we'll believe anything else. We'll run to anything else. We'll open up a magazine and see something about, oh, yeah, you should start eating six pounds of broccoli a day in order to be thus and so. Yes, I'm on it. Bring on the broccoli. You know, you should, you should order this hair stuff. Okay, I got it in my hair. Or you need these clothes. You need this purse. You need this phone. You need this app. You need this. You need this. You need this. That is not, that's not how God sees us. We don't need anything except him in our lives. When we get down to the bottom line, that is where our truth comes from. Because whether or not we like it, ladies, we're getting older. We are getting older. We'll talk about that another time. Let's keep moving. Um, But we choose to believe the lie. We choose to see what's right in front of us, and we choose to believe the lie. Make no mistake. The root of this struggle of being enough is very real. This is not your mind searching for something to do. This is not just you who have some like, oh, well, maybe it's just me. No, it's not just you. The struggle is real and it has a source and the source has a name. And that's where we're headed now. If you've got your Bible or your version, let's get to it. We're going to open up to John, uh, excuse me, 1 Peter 5, 8. And this is where we start to dig. You guys hang on because we are going. So the first verse we're looking at, 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. There's the first name right there. Your great enemy. That is the source of our lies. That is the source of our wondering. That is the source of our insecurity, our great enemy. Let's go to John 10, 10. We're going to see another name for him. It says, the thief. The thief's purpose is to do what? Steal. Go ahead. Kill and? Okay, so the thief. So we've been, he's been called our great enemy, and he's been called the thief. Let's go to the next one. We're going to John eight forty four. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. He is a liar, for he is what? The father of lies. Now, I don't know about y'all, but that is one heck of a list. He is our great enemy. He is a thief. He is a liar, and he is the father of lies. If you're wondering why you feel so unsettled, if you're wondering why your heart and your mind are in battle with one another, if you wonder why culture is so strong and has such an effect on you, it is because our great enemy, the liar, the thief, the father of lies, is out to get us. He's out to make sure that we are feeling like we are not enough. Now, I want to be clear here. I don't want to give our enemy any more credit than he is due. God is far more powerful. God is all-present, all-powerful, all-knowing. He can conquer our enemy in a second. But far too often, I feel like we live in a place where we are unaware. I feel like we live in a place of like, oh, well, huh, wonder why that happened. Oh, well, huh, wish, wish I'd have known that was coming. No. 
Today is the day that we recognize the source and we begin to say, I see what you're doing. I see what's happening over here. I see your lies. I see you want to steal. I hear that you are my enemy. And I am going to begin to live in victory over you because of who God says and because of his truth. The lies start with our enemy. We cannot be unaware of his schemes. We can't just pretend like there's nothing going on here. Trust me, he is more than willing to get up in your business. He does not shy away from that. He is here to steal your joy, to fill your mind with doubt, and to make you question if you are enough. Not only does our enemy have a name, he has an agenda. He has a plan, and he plans to work it out. Let's go back to 1 Peter 5, 8. Let's look at the first two words of this verse. Everybody say it out loud with me. Stay alert. Stay alert. So here's the warning at the beginning of this verse. Stay alert. Watch out. Right there, back to back. Your great enemy, the devil, prowls. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, he is sneaky. So we are told, stay alert, watch out. When we're looking for someone, when we're watching for them, we're looking very intently. We're keeping a sharp eye out. We've got our guard up. I'm just going to take a little moment here just to do an aside and say to you, he will sneak up on you when you are alone. When the lion goes after a prey, he separates the prey from the pack in order to have his victory. Our enemy is no different. If you are not in a small group... Get in one, because that is where you will find community and protection here. How many of you are in a group? Awesome. Excellent. If you are not in a group, stay alert. Watch out, because you are alone, and our enemy is prowling. We're standing still. He's prowling. When the enemy goes on a hunt, he's very quiet, very sneaky. And what happens after a lion attacks? He roars. So here we are, we're trying to stay alert, he comes in, he pounces on us when we're all alone, and then he roars because he has been able to devour us. Let's look at the next verse, John 10, 10. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Let's say that together. Steal, he's not just satisfied with one thing. His agenda is to come in. You know, most, if a thief is going to come in, he'll come in, take your stuff, get out. Not this one. This thief not only wants to steal what you've got, he wants to kill it, and he wants to destroy it. He wants to kill your joy. He wants to destroy your belief. He wants to kill your relationships. He wants to destroy your trust in God. He's not satisfied with one thing. Don't be unaware. He is a thief. And if all of those things doesn't work, if all of, those, uh, all of those tools that he has in his bags, if they don't accomplish his purpose, then the next one is what he uses to get us. It's quiet. It's usually in our minds, and it is the lie. He uses a lie, John 8, 44. And when he lies, not if he lies, when he lies, it is consistent with his character. He is not just a liar. He is what? Father of lies. I don't know about y'all. I don't want a father like that. I don't need a dad like that. When he shows up, he doesn't show up with guns and swords ablazing. He doesn't announce that he's coming. He slips in. The father of lies wants you to question everything. He wants you to question your past, your present, and your future. 
He wants you to question your family, your friends, and he most certainly wants you to question your God. There is no level to which he will not stoop to try to undo your identity, your security, and your trust in God. Do not be fooled. Do not be unaware. He is our great enemy. Let's take a look. Let's keep digging. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3. As we go there, I want to set up the scene for you. In the beginning of Genesis chapter 1, God has created the heaven and the earth and everything in it. In Genesis chapter 2, God creates the first man, Adam. He places Adam in the Garden of Eden. In the middle of the Garden of Eden, there are two trees. One is called the tree of life. The other is called the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God says to Adam, everything you need is in this garden. It's beautiful. It's plentiful. Everything you need to eat, everything. You've got it all here. He says, but there's only one tree you can't eat from, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Stay away from that one. Other than that, we're cool. Then God recognizes, oh no, Adam is like alone. So he causes Adam to fall asleep, takes out a rib, creates woman out of the rib, calls her Eve, the husband and wife, Adam and Eve, in the garden, good to go. Okay, so that's where we are. Now we're at Genesis chapter three. So we read, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it or you'll die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened and you'll be just like God, knowing both good and evil. And so the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and that its fruit looked delicious and she wanted some of the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Now, on your own, I want you to go back when you have time and read Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. And when you do, you will notice there is no mention in either of those chapters of the serpent. But as soon as we turn the page to chapter 3, bam, the serpent, excuse me, the serpent was the shrewdest. There he is. He's sneaky. Remember, stay alert. There was no announcement. There he was. Who's the serpent? Let me hear you. That's right. He's the devil. He's our great, what? Enemy. He's the father of, he is the thief. That's right. So that's who we're dealing with here. Now let's take a look at his agenda. The first thing he says when he sees Eve, he looks over and goes, did God really say? Did God really say that you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? He took no time at all to create doubt in Eve's truth. He began to watch as he questioned as she began to so easily abandon the freedom Because God said, you are free. You're free to eat. There was more freedom than there was protection in that place. There was freedom. He said, um, he watched her abandon that freedom and he watched her abandon God's goodness so that she could look into the question. He He questioned her knowledge and stole her truth. He questioned her doubt. He presented doubt and he killed her trust. Listen to her response. Of course we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden we're not allowed to eat. And God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. I want to present to you right here that Eve made a very weak attempt to present her truth. 
Notice that she said, you must not eat it. She got that part right. But did God say you must not touch it? No, he did not. Probably a good idea that you don't touch it because that's just going to lead you to temptation to eat it. But he didn't say that. She started out on the right track, but notice that she wasn't fully confident in her truth. And I want you to know that you must know your truth or the thief will be all too happy to steal from you and to take advantage of your weakness. Don't miss that. Because look what happens next. He presents the lie. He says, you won't die. God knows your eyes will be open. You'll be just like him. Everything will be great. You'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. The the lie is rendered. The father of lies shines it up like a shiny apple and goes, here you go. You're not going to die. You're just going to know more. You're just going to be like God. Who doesn't want to be like God? God made this garden. God made this food. God made all this great stuff. You want to be like God. I want to be like God. We all want to be like God, right? He's twisting it. He's making it look better than it is. Now watch what happens next because it's heartbreaking. The woman was convinced. She saw the tree was beautiful. She saw the fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and she ate it. Look at the steps that Eve took. I would just want to mention these to you. So here's Eve. The, the serpent appears and he questions her. So she was questioned and she listened. So then she began to question and then she was convinced. Notice the steps that the enemy took. First, he spoke to her. He's the one who presented the question. So he spoke, he questions, he lies, and then he watched. He watched as Eve reached out to take the very thing that she knew was off limits, but it looked so beautiful and it seemed so right, was supposed to be full of truth, was supposed to make her more knowledgeable. He watched her take it. He watched her take a bite and destroy everything she knew about her life. Have you been there? Have you found yourself in that place? When was the last time your truth was stolen? When was the last time that doubt killed your trust? Have you taken a bite of something that looks beautiful and promising and found out that it destroys Destroys you on the inside, destroys your relationships, destroys your trust. That brings us to our big idea for today. In order to fight the lies, you must know the truth. Our great enemy, the father of lies, wants nothing more than for you to think that the thoughts that you have are your own. But I'm here to tell you today, he is the originator of the lies that we so often chase and believe. He will have no mercy, and he doesn't have to do much. Present a couple of questions, here's a luscious lie, and bam, we're hooked. Our best defense in fighting the prowling lion is not to outsmart him, not to outwit him, not to outrun him. Our greatest defense is in knowing the truth of the word of God and securing it down deep in our hearts and in our minds. We don't outdo our enemy. We out-truth him. There is no greater defense. The word of God is the foundation on which we stand. 
I know because I lived too many years of my life being comfortable with just knowing enough of scripture, with just memorizing a few verses, with just having a little bit of an idea of maybe all the New Testament, not a clue what was going on in the Old Testament. And I can tell you, If you are not fully aware of God's story from Genesis to Revelation, if you don't know the promises that he speaks over your life, if you don't know how he can deliver you and save you and free you and fill you with his purpose and his plan, then you are missing out. And it's not anything that anyone else can do for you. If you are tired of standing in the place of feeling like, why am I always in agony? Why don't I feel like I'm enough? What is my purpose? What is my place? What am I supposed to be doing? I can tell you where the answers are, and they are not with your enemy. They are with your God. His truth should be the first thing that you hear in your life. In order to fight the lies, we must know the truth. If we're going to overcome the lies that we believe, if we're going to overcome the feelings of not being enough, we must start with the truth. And all truth is God's truth. And it is found in his word. Our being enough is found in the truth of scripture. I want to go back to John 10.10. I want to wrap up today with this verse. Remember it says that the thief's purpose is to what? Steal and destroy. He has a purpose, right? He has a plan. He has an agenda. But now look what God says, because this is God speaking. He says, my purpose is to give them, them is you, them is me. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. How often when you are standing in the place of not feeling like enough, how often do you feel rich? How often do you feel satisfied? I would venture to say not very often. Because when we stand in that place and we look in that mirror, what we hear is not enough, not enough, not enough. But God says, my purpose, my purpose is to give you a life that is rich and satisfying. This is his purpose for you. It's not a scheme. It's a purpose and a plan. It is the truth. And when you know the truth, you avoid taking the fruit that looks so beautiful and taking a bite out of it and allowing the enemy to slither into your life. This fight is not anyone else's fight. This fight belongs to you. And if you're standing there quaking in your boots, shaking in your boots, excuse me, thinking, I just don't know where to start. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. Then he's already got you right where he wants you. I believe in you, and I believe that God wants his truth to permeate every part of your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. He is for you, and the way that we know that is to be in the word of God. So in your fighting and in your listening, in your digging deeper, in your loving God, every step of the way, I want to assure you that he is with you. He is singing over you. He is whispering to you. He is calling out to you. And he is proving to you, I am right here. And you are enough. Let's begin to be wise. Let's not wonder anymore. Let's not pretend like we don't know what's going on. Let's claim the truth that God has given us. Let's stand up and say, I will be in the word because it is my protection and it is the place that God calls me to. 
over the next couple of weeks, we're going we're gonna to go even deeper in this and we're going to find out how do we begin to fight the lies? How do we begin to stand in the truth of God's word? So I urge you to come back because it gets so much better. And remember, in order to fight the lies, we must know the truth. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that your heart's desire for us is that we know your truth, that we live in your truth, that we stand in your truth. We have a great enemy who seeks to destroy us. He is the father of lies and he is the thief and he has an agenda and a plan that wants to wreck us and cause us to question and doubt. But allow us to stand up today and say, not anymore. I am not unaware And I will fight with the truth of God and the truth of his word. Help us to rise up and be victorious. Don't let us be victims. Don't let us just stand alone pretending like we can figure it out because we can't. When we go there, we only find that we are not enough. So help us to remember that in order to fight the lies, we must know the truth. And we ask you to be our truth and our strength today.